Come on. All right. I want to hear the sound of hungry people in this house tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about the story of two Adams. Now, I'm not talking about A-T-O-M-S. You know, this is not a science lesson, you know. We're talking about Adam, A-D-A-M. The story of two Adams. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a little joke. Oh, Lord, here we go. But uh, uh, one little uh, uh, boy in Sunday school uh, talked about how God took a rib out of Adam and made Eve. And what, what he wrote was that God split the Adam and made Eve. Oh, I know it's a groaner, but I couldn't resist. All right. But uh, we're going to talk about the story of two Adams tonight. First of all, we're going to talk about the Adam that got us in the mess. And then we'll talk about Jesus, who was the last Adam who got us out of the mess. Are you ready? First Corinthians chapter 15 will be our starting point. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God tonight. Thank you, Lord, for ears that hear, hearts that are ready to receive the good word of God, to be planted and that it'll bring forth fruit, long-lasting fruit. And we're going to let the enemy know right off the bat, he is not permitted and not allowed in any way to steal the seed that is being sown in our hearts tonight. It's going to take and it's going to produce fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to take a look here, starting with uh, 21 and 22. It says, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Now, let's go back to 21 again. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. I love this because by both of these came by men. That's something we need to see. Both of these, both death and resurrection came by men. And that's very significant because the only way that Jesus, as God the Son, could do something here on earth that would solve the problem that we had was that God the Son had to become the God-man. It is so significant that we understand that Jesus previously existed before he showed up here. He did not start existing on one night in Bethlehem. <laughs> he already existed with the Father. The Bible says about this baby born in Bethlehem, the prophet Micah says in chapter 5 verse 2, that his going forth has been from of old, from everlasting. In other words, he has always been around. Hey, and this one who's always been around is that same baby that was born in Bethlehem. So I want to show you, first of all, the significance of this, that the one who got us in the mess was a man. But it was also necessary that the one that got us out of the mess was a man. And now we know this, that as Paul said to Timothy, that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now we can go to verse 22. <laughs> For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all 
shall be made alive. One of the things that we're going to see so clearly tonight is that we have a choice whether we're going to identify with the Adam that got us in the mess or if we're going to identify with the Adam that got us out the mess. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. That is a choice. And we're going to make the right choice here tonight. While we're there in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to go to verse 45. And we're going to keep on going here. This is 45, same chapter. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being or a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Keep going. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Now, we're going to continue. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Now, before we go on, I want to read another rendering of that verse out of a little known translation called the Norley translation. Now, that's Norley, not gnarly. Uh, We're not talking California language here, all right? Uh, Somebody will get that on the way home. But let me read this here, this little rendering of, of verse 48. The nature of the man made of dust is repeated in all man made of dust. And the nature of the man from heaven is repeated in those who are of heaven. Let me give it to you again. The nature of the man made of dust is repeated in all men made of dust. And the nature of the man from heaven is repeated in those who are of heaven. Verse 49, you can put it up there now. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And the, the rendering I want to read to you uh, here is out of the, the Phillips translation that says this. So that just as we have been made like the material pattern, so we shall be made like the heavenly pattern. Well, what's that material pattern? You know, that's you know, the substance that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can see. So, so you've been made of the material pattern, but, but you will also be made like the heavenly pattern. Now understand this, the, it's really, uh, when, when you look at the first Adam and the last Adam, the first Adam being Adam who's married to Eve, who made some bad choices in the garden, hey, because uh, he, he had the opportunity to do something about that and to take a stand. And one of his jobs was to guard, to keep and to guard the garden. Which obviously he didn't do because he let an intruder in there. So uh, we, we see Adam, that, that first man, and then we see Jesus, who's called the last Adam. And, and the reason that they're, they're both referred to as Adam in, in, in this exercise that Paul's doing is that they're both 
representatives of the whole human race. Everybody, no, no matter what you look like, no matter what side of the tracks you're from, no, no matter if you're light and lovely or dark and lovely, I want you to know you came from Adam. And you were in him. And when he went down the wrong road, he did something that just brought us all into the mess. You know what I'm saying? And so, as we understand that, the significance of looking at Jesus as the last Adam means that when Jesus did what he did, we were in him. And what he did, he did for all. Now, the one thing we're going to see is that what happened with the first Adam happened to you automatically. What happened to you in the second Adam does not happen to you automatically, but it happens to you by faith. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand this, that the significance of looking at uh, Adam and Jesus, the last Adam, is to bring us to this point that both of them were master copies. Both of them were master copies. And, and so... So the, the, the master copy of the first Adam duplicated over and over and over and over and over again. No matter how many times it gets duplicated, still looks the same way. He sinned, fell short of the glory of God. And when you are born here, that's the condition you're born in. However, the last Adam, glory be to God, the, the, the last Adam, the the the, uh, the offspring, if you will, of the last Adam, rather than being that uh, master copy that was malfunctioning, dysfunctional, over and over and over again, you've got the image of Christ. You've got a perfect master copy. And like when you were born, you couldn't help it. You just inherited what was in the first Adam. Well, when you were born again, I said, when you're born again, the image of Jesus, the last Adam, that's who you become. You become a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away and all things are become new. Which master copy would you like to identify with? Now let's take this a little further. In Romans chapter 5, Paul really goes into detail. And we're going to see that. And an uh, interesting thing that one of the the, the, the wording that you see all over Romans chapter 5 is words like much more or much more than. Much more <laughs> or much more than. And that's his continual way of trying to signify that what I'm talking to you about in Christ is not compared to what happened here in Adam. It's actually contrasted to because there, there's not a comparison. Uh, the effect of what happened 
in Christ is infinitely greater than the effect of what happened in Adam. And you see, <laughs> we just don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. All right. All these people in the house, Lord, I won't look. We just don't really believe that. And the, the, the surest sign that we don't believe that is we don't act that way. We don't think that way. We don't talk that way. But the Bible says not less than, but much more than. Not less than, but much more than. Which we're going to read right now. All right, here we go. Romans 5. Woohoo. Verse 8. Here we go. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, oh, there it is. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin... And thus, death spread to all men because all sin. Stop there for a minute. What kind of death is that? That is spiritual death. In the Young's literal translation of Genesis 3, you, you actually see these, uh, you know, kind of old English language, but it, it, it literally says, in dying, thou dost die. Where, where God said in the day that you eat thereof, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that you will die. It literally says in Young's literal translation, in dying, thou dost die. Or in other words, uh, uh, in dying, you, you will die. Because there was an immediate spiritual death that Adam felt right away. And 930 years later, his body caught up with it and his body died as well. Verse 13. For until the law... Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Somebody say it with me. Adam was a type of him who was to come. Say it again. Adam was a type of him who was to come. Uh, verse 15. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the offense, if by the one man's offense many died, much more, there it is again, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now, what I want to do is I want to read a rendering of that. And uh, uh, some of these are combinations of multiple translations. But I kind of took it phrase by phrase to want to break this down into a way that there's just no chance of us missing it. I mean, if you, if you don't get it one way, you get it another way. And if you don't get it that way, you got it the other way. But but it's uh, just a way of uh, simplifying it. I almost said dumbing down, but then I caught myself. All right, here we go. Verse 15. 
I'm going to read this in a, what, what is really a, a conglomeration, if that would be the right term, of, of multiple translations here. But far greater is the gift than was the transgression. Far greater is the gift. What? God's free gift. That is far greater than was the transgression. For if one man's offense made the mass of mankind die. Woo. Then its effect is vastly exceeded by the grace of God and the gift that came to so many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. So listen to this once again. For if one man's offense made the mass of mankind die, then when we're talking about the gift of grace that came by Jesus Christ, the effect of the gift of grace is vast, it it vastly exceeds the, the result of the transgression. Not just exceeds a little bit, not just a little superior to, it vastly exceeds it. It leaves it in the dust. There's just not any comparison with the effect that can be had by what Jesus did by giving us the free gift of God's grace and the free gift of righteousness that absolutely totally exceeds anything that happened by the transgression. Glory be to God. Now let me read this to you. Since we're in verse 15. This is a good speed translation of part of verse 15. It says God's mercy and his gift given through the favor of the one man Jesus Christ has far more powerfully affected mankind. See, this is, this is the problem. We are acting as though we were far more affected by the first Adam. But I want you to know tonight, we're finding out some truth here. And if you didn't know what the truth was, then I'm glad to be here tonight so I can tell it to you. That rather than you being affected far more by what the first Adam did, the real truth of the matter is that you're affected far more by what the last Adam did. What's our problem? And first of all, a lot of us don't know it. And then when we get a little glimpse of it, we don't believe it. Because it just seems too good to be true. But I'm here to tell you it's the absolute truth. Glory be to God. All right, verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Now, what came through the one who sinned? A big old mess. And the Bible says here that the gift is not like that. Let's keep on reading. For the judgment which came... From one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. Now I want to read to you another one of my special conglomeration of translations here. Are you ready? All right. What came through Jesus is not like what came through Adam. Remember we said the gift is not like What came through the one who sinned? That's what it's saying. What came through Jesus is not like what came through Adam. What came through Adam was 
forced onto all his descendants and they had no choice in the matter. What came through Jesus is received voluntarily through faith. Adam's one offense brought judgment which resulted in all of us being guilty. Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. I need to read that last part to you again. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, hold on, hold on there with me. Adam's one offense brought judgment which resulted in all of us being guilty. Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. Hallelujah. Now, uh, uh, the uh, translation of the beginning of Romans 5, 16, I want to read this to you. It's uh, uh, written by a man, I believe his name was George Lamza, uh, and, uh, uh, who, who lived in the, within the last century and was a, 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 a great authority of the Aramaic language. He said that the effect of the gift of God was greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe it? I mean, we're living in this world acting like, oh yeah, it's sniffle time. And what, what, what are we doing when, when we're uh, shining the spotlight on that and, and putting attention on that and saying, yeah, it's that time of year again. What we're doing is we're identifying more with the mess we got from the first Adam than the healing we got through the last Adam. How many areas can we think of when we think, no, I'd never be able to afford that. I would love to be able to do that for the kingdom of God, but I'll never be in a position to give that much to the work of God. Well, what's that kind of thinking? That's the kind of thinking that associates more with the, the, the poverty that came through the curse of sin back in Genesis, back in the beginning, rather than the blessing that came through Christ Jesus. Who do you identify with? Verse 17, and parent of infant 100. (laughs) Hallelujah. Someone said, what translation was that? (laughs) For by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, l- let me give you uh, an- another rendering of that. And you can leave that up there, honey. See, honey's working back there tonight. <laughs> By the way, you know I love my honey. Uh, nine years ago, tomorrow is our anniversary. <laughs> I had to plug it. I could not resist. As I've been happily married to that wonderful lady for nine years. Glory be to God. Here we go. Verse 17. For if the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. This is one of my special mixes here. (laughs) For if the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all, to a much greater degree, 
come on, to a much greater degree will those who continue to receive the overflow of his unmerited favor and his gift of right standing with himself reign in real life through one Jesus Christ. Not to a lesser degree, to a much greater degree. Much more. See it right up there? Much more. Much more. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, what's the difference? See where that first comma is? For if by the one man's offense death reigns through the one comma. Now, now, on that side of the comma, on the top side of that, we are being reigned over. Death is reigning over us. Now, in the next part of it, in a much more kind of way, we who have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness are being reigned over Once again, nope, 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 that's not what it says. It says, we who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in heaven someday in the sweet by and by, hallelujah. (laughs) No, 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 we're going to try this again, we're going to get it right. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life right here, right now, through the one, Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Well, we might as well finish this little passage here. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, Resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, I got to tell you. Did the Apostle Paul just lay out a case there or what? Hallelujah. So the question is, what Adam will we identify with? Will we identify with Adam number one? Or will we identify with Christ, the last Adam? Now remember what I said to you earlier that there was a very real sense in which all of mankind was in the first Adam. He's the father of us all. And all of mankind was in Christ. Think about this. That all of mankind was in Christ, and yet for you to be in Christ as far as the Bible defines the term, you got to say, Okay, you got to believe it. You got to believe it. If you believe it, then that becomes real to you. Imagine this, that, that some 
somebody for whom Christ was their representative. Somebody for, in whom, in a real way, Christ uh, had them in him. When he died, when he was uh, uh, buried, and when he res- was raised from the dead. And yet that person not receive, which is a very simple gift to receive. God did not make it difficult. He made it simple. This is received by believing. And yet somebody who just for the purpose of not believing and receiving it would die and go to hell for eternity. What a senseless tragedy that anybody would go to hell when Jesus went from heaven to earth to hell itself to take the keys of death and hell from the enemy and set the captives free. How senseless it is for anybody to go to hell. Let's look at some things here. In both cases, the case of the first Adam and the case of the last Adam, Satan came for the word in both cases. Did you know that? Let me talk to you. Because in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent showed up, what did he say? He said, has God said? Has God said? So what was he doing? He was doing what the thief does, what the devil does. Jesus described it in the parable of the sword that the, the, the thief comes to steal the word. The devil comes to steal the word that was sown in the heart. So we see in the case of the first Adam questioning what God said. You say, I thought that was to Eve. But don't forget the Bible says that Adam was there with her which is such a tragedy. Don't let me mess with you men now. But I tell you, I believe some men need to be men of God. And if you've got some kind of intruder, spiritual intruder, whether through your TV set or any other kind of means trying to get into your house, I believe men of God need to put their foot down and say, no, we're going to have holiness and righteousness in my house. I ain't let no intruder in my house. All right, I feel better now. And then in the same way that the devil came to steal the seed of the word by saying, hath God said, what did he do with Jesus on the Mount of Temptation? The last Adam, he said, if you be the son of God. Right after Jesus just heard the father say out loud in front of everybody to hear at the Jordan River, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the next thing he hears after that is the dumb devil saying, if you be the son of God. Why? Because Satan's come for the word. He did it with the first Adam. He did it with the last Adam. The first Adam let him take it, but the last Adam, <laughs> the last Adam won that battle, hallelujah. 
The first Adam failed the test. The last Adam passed the test. You know, there were big decisions made in two gardens. There was a garden of Eden and a garden of Gethsemane. Hey, now. That garden of Eden, there was a big decision made, and it was the wrong one, and it affected everybody. But I want you to know in the garden of Gethsemane, there was a big decision made, and it was the right one, and it affected everybody. That was the point where Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Surrendering to the Father's will and fully giving himself to what he ultimately needed to do to rescue mankind and buy him back. Here's a worthy statement to remember. The soldiers crucified Jesus at Golgotha, but Jesus crucified himself at Gethsemane. If you don't fan me, I'll fan you. The soldiers crucified Jesus at Golgotha, but Jesus crucified himself at Gethsemane. So when you're talking about the story of two Adams, you see the story of two gardens, and you also see the story of two trees. Mm-hmm. Because you see that Adam brought down the human race when he was confronted with his tree. He let the tree have the best of him. That was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, you know what? It was through means of a tree that Jesus rescued the human race. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And why did he do that? That the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Adam brought down the human race with a tree. Jesus lifted up the human race, rescued the human race by means of a tree. What happens when the tree gets on the scene? Can I talk to you tonight? You know, when the Israelites had left Egypt, they went to this place called Marah. And the reason this place was called Mara was because that water was bitter. I mean, that water was nasty. And they're out in the desert, thirsty, looking for something to drink. Ain't nothing but this nasty water at this place called Mara. God speaks to Moses. And I want you to see... See, God is always dropping you a little picture of something that is to come. As we read before, we see that even Adam was a picture of the one who was to come. Well, here's another picture. God said to Moses, see that nasty water over there? Cut down a tree and throw the tree into the water. And when you do, the bitter water will be made sweet. And that's exactly what happened. So this nasty, undrinkable water suddenly became absolutely wonderful and everybody quenched their thirst. And how did it happen? Because God told Moses to throw a tree into that bitter water. Can I tell you what the picture of, uh, what that's a picture of? I'm going to tell you. Would you like it or not, I'm going to tell you. I want you to know tonight that, that in the same way 
that when God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a tree, that being the cross, whatever is nasty and bitter in your life, somebody needs to get the cross involved in that. You got some bitter circumstances. Somebody needs to get that cross, that tree involved. When you get the tree, the the, the real tree of life (laughs) involved into the nasty, bitter circumstances of life, then you can see what was bitter now being made sweet. I want you to realize this. See, Adam was the first of a race who went from spiritual life to spiritual death. That, that's why the, the idea of evolution is such a joke. Because it ain't never been going up. It, it went down and it's been going down ever since. Is anybody with me on that? So Adam was the first of a race who went from spiritual life to spiritual death. Jesus was the first of a new race who reversed what Adam did. What, what's this new race that Jesus was the first of? It's called the new creation race. That's those of us who have gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. See, Jesus is called the firstborn of every creature. What kind of creature? Every new creature. Hallelujah. He's the firstborn from the dead. The Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren. It calls his church in Hebrews 12, 23, the church of the firstborn. Glory to God. So just like Adam was the first of a race who went from spiritual life to spiritual death, Jesus got to be the first of a race who reversed that and went from spiritual death to spiritual life. Realize this. Jesus did what Adam failed to do in order to annul what Adam did. Hey, think about that for a minute. Jesus did what Adam failed to do in order to annul what Adam did. What was it that Adam failed to do? Well, when the test came and when he, all he had to do was hold on to the word of the Lord, believe the word of the Lord, say, I don't care. I'm not going to get confused with anything else. I know that if I eat from this tree, I will surely die. I like my life as it is and I do not want to surely die. The real test was putting the word first, which is exactly what Jesus did every time he slammed the enemy with the words, it is written. Adam, the first Adam, he brought a curse on humanity. (laughs) Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Somebody say he put that curse in reverse. See, Adam brought alienation. Jesus brought reconciliation. Adam brought alienation. Jesus brought reconciliation. Adam turned his authority over to Satan. Jesus went to Satan and took the the authority back. Hallelujah. See, Adam sought to hide and cover himself with fig leaves because of the wrong that he had done. I know I'm giving you some machine gun fire here, but that's all right. CD and, and podcast. Let me tell you, podcast is free. You, you, can, you can be in the shower and listen to the word. So 
So, so, so take advantage of this and listen to this kind of stuff over and over and over again. Get in your spirit. Adam sought to hide and to cover himself with fig leaves because of the wrong that he had done. But Jesus allowed himself to be uncovered by the shame of crucifixion, although he had done nothing wrong. Yeah, there's quite a contrast between these two. See, one guilty man decided to pass uh, others the blame that belonged to him. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, it's it's the woman that you gave me. Yeah. So you see, uh, Adam blamed Eve, and then Eve blamed the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I did it again. I did it again. All right. <laughs> But you see, one guilty man, I'm getting back in the spirit now, one guilty man decided to pass to others the blame that belonged to him. But one innocent man decided to accept the blame that did not belong to him. You got the guilty one who's passing the blame, but there's the innocent one, Jesus, the last Adam, who took the blame on himself when he did nothing wrong. There's a little old song, and the words of it go like this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay, and I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. It's amazing grace because Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. Those are some rich words there. See, Adam needed to have blood shed for him. But Jesus, the last Adam, he shed his blood for others. Glory to God. Now, let's see. Where can we go with this time that we got left? I'm going to talk to honey again. Hey, honey, go ahead and uh, skip over seven and go to John chapter 14, verse 30 in the Amplified Bible. What I want to talk to you about here, I want to talk to you as we're getting ready to wrap up here about the ultimate victory of the last Adam. The ultimate victory of the last Adam. Now understand that Satan gained access to this earth successfully through the first Adam. We know that. That's well documented. But he could never win what he really wanted, which was total control. He could never win what he really wanted because Jesus, the last Adam, allowed him no further access. See, the first Adam let him in. And you know what? If he would have gotten Jesus to go along with the deal, that would have been it. But Jesus, the last Adam, our hero, hallelujah, did not go along with that. And that's why I want to read this to you. I will not talk with you much more for the prince, evil genius, ruler of this world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. 
You know, I, I believe it's the, the uh, uh, original King James uh, translation where he says, he has nothing in me. Think about that. You see, he had something. You, you, you know that lingo. Yeah, I got something on you. Yeah, when somebody wants to keep you down or try to put you in your place or, or try to keep you uh, from, uh, from, from, uh, from blooming and blossoming in your life or in your career, yeah, you could, except for the fact I got something on you. And the real truth of the matter is that from Adam to every other member of the human race, the enemy could say the same thing. Yeah, I got something on you. Yeah. Yeah, you think you're somebody? I got something on you. As a matter of fact, I got more than one something on you. I got a whole lot of somethings on you. But Jesus, the last Adam, could say these words. The prince of the world, the ruler of the world has come and he don't got nothing on me. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This is the ultimate victory of the last Adam. Now, when Jesus was tempted in the beginning of his ministry, and you see this in Luke chapter 4, you see Satan saying to him, uh, he took him up the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Remember that term, kingdoms of the world. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said, all this will I give you as long as you bow down and worship me. And what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you will worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, now it's interesting that, that Satan said, uh, you see, he, as he showed him the kingdoms of the world, he said, hey, th- these are mine. They've been given to me, and I can give them to whomever I wish to give them to. Well, there's several schools of thought regarding that statement. How many have ever read that in the Bible? Luke chapter 4. Let, let me give, give, give you some light here. There's one school of thought that would think, well, the devil really didn't have that. The devil really couldn't go ahead and give that. Jesus read right through it. But there's a, a flaw with that. Because if the devil didn't really have that to give, then that wasn't a real temptation. And the Bible says that Jesus was really being tempted. So in order to be really tempted, this has to be a real temptation. Which means if if Satan really did have something that he said was delivered to him and that he could give it to whomever he wants to, then you may ask the question, who delivered it to him? The first Adam did. The first Adam delivered to him the kingdoms of the world. Because the first Adam, I mean, he was it. Be fruitful and multiply. Go ahead and subdue the earth. This is yours. Take it and run with it. But the first Adam, what was given to him, he took it and gave it to another. Who 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 calls the God of this world. And so this little G, obviously, because we know there's a big, big difference between the little G and the big G. Are you with me? So the God of this world, 
was standing here before God the Son and offering to him the kingdoms of this world. And all you got to do is bow your knee and I'll give it to you. But he didn't fall for it. And you know why he didn't fall for it? Because of something that we find out in Revelation chapter 19 and the way that this all, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, it's Revelation 11. Revelation 11, and it, it talks about how things ultimately get wrapped up. And these words were so great that when uh, uh, George uh, Frederick Handel was writing the Messiah, he had to include these lyrics in that hallelujah chorus that we all know and love. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The very same kingdoms of this world that the enemy was trying to get Jesus, the last Adam, to bow down to him to get, woo, were the very same kingdoms of this world that Jesus knew that he would ultimately have delivered to him. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of his Lord, of, of, of the Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Glory to God. So many things we can say as we look and, you know, I, you can almost call it comparison by contrast. As we're looking at the big differences between the, the first Adam and the last Adam. But let me, let me close with this. Joshua 3.16, New Living Translation. Now this is where the Israelites are passing over the Jordan River to go into the promised land. The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. So, so here's the picture. Yeah, there's a town called Adam, a city called Adam. Literally, scholars believe that it was Adam that built that. That's why it was called that. That Adam built a city. And it was named after him. The town called Adam. Now, imagine this picture. The Israelites are about to uh, cross the river, but, but the banks are overflowing. There, there's an issue here. Once again, like the Red Sea, there's water in the way between where we are and where we need to get. And so the priests stood in the water with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And what happened? The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. So where the town called Adam or the city called Adam is, you've got this wall of water. And all the water uh, the, below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. So you got a wall of water at this town called Adam and all that other uh, water flows into the Dead Sea. You say, well, that's really nice, Pastor Ray. <laughs> well, can I enlighten you on something? It was Jesus, the last Adam, who stood in that very river 
and was identified as he stood in that river as being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I want you to see this beautiful picture that the last Adam, as he was there in that river, which we see in the gospel, we read about him being baptized by John. John the Baptist identifies him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And right here is a picture of that being taken away. Because all the water, all the way back to Adam, flowed into the sea. So you got this wall of water there. And all the water in between flows into the sea. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of what the prophet Micah said in chapter 7, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. What we see there is a picture of what the last Adam did that the first Adam could not do. That he went all the way back to the mess that the first Adam caused. And caused a new beginning and caused all that stuff. All that water, which represented all the sin and all the mess that had been caused by and been propagated all throughout history since that first Adam. And and it all went into the Dead Sea. And I want you to know that the last Adam has done that for us. He's gone back to the very beginning and fixed the mess. And took all of our sin and cast it into the sea. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you tonight and give you glory. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. We're so grateful tonight. So grateful. For the last Adam. (laughs) And the ultimate victory that he has won over the enemy. And how he has saved us and rescued us from the mess caused by the first Adam. We are truly eternally grateful.